0: Call in at 303-690-3000. Let's join Calvary Live
3: right now. We want to welcome you to today's edition of Calvary Live, and we do invite you to call in. You just heard that number, 303-690-3000 is the call-in number. Calvary Live is the program where you, the listener, get to call in and ask questions about the Bible or give prayer requests. Uh, perhaps as you've been reading your Bible, maybe a question has arose. Maybe you heard a teaching. Maybe perhaps you are having a Bible study with some friends or a group, and some questions came up, and you want some clarity and understanding. Uh, maybe perhaps you're just wondering what our worldview should be on the things that are going on around us, about Christian living, anything that pertains to the godliness and life in Christ Jesus please give me a call. That call-in number is 303-690-3000. My name is Jeff Figs of Calvary Chapel Greeley with you on this Tuesday. Yes, we are live today, those of you who are listening on Grace FM. And we just finished a holiday weekend, uh, Independence Day on Sunday, the 4th of July. And then, of course, many were taken off yesterday uh, for the holiday season uh, for the very important... Uh, holiday of celebrating our independence and our freedom and the birth of our nation. And on Sunday, we had a wonderful, wonderful uh, service. On Sunday morning, we had an outdoor service. The sanctuary was full uh, with people as we just uh, looked at Psalm 33, and we were praying for our nation. We were talking about how the psalmist, and let me read it to you and then we'll just continue with the show but we got all open lines so give me a call this is the show where you get to call in and ask questions and give prayer requests 303-690-3000 grab one of those open lines and let's talk about the things of the lord and go to the word of the lord the text line that you can text in a question or prayer request is 720-336-0897 and that is for texting only be careful as you're texting But we looked at Psalm 33, that the psalmist would write that the Lord brings the counsel of the nations to nothing, and he makes the plans of the peoples of no effect. The counsel of the Lord stands forever, and the plans of his heart to all generations. And blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord, and the people he has chosen as his own inheritance. So we looked at that, and we uh, recognized that the nation who says that you are our God, bless this nation whose God is the Lord, there's tremendous blessing. And, of course, our nation founded on biblical principles and and truths and that all men are created equal. And and we know that uh, the Lord is the one that has blessed this nation, and we need to pray for our nation because we're getting further away spiritually, morally, um, there's famine that psalmist in this psalm talks about famine to deliver their souls from death to keep them alive in famine uh, as behold the eye the Lord is on those who fear him you know there is famine in the land Amos would write about there's famine not of bread nor of water but of the Word of God and I pray for the churches in our nation I pray for our nation in general that there is a spiritual awakening and a turning to him that is the hope of our nation That is the help of our nation. And so pray you had a safe uh, uh, Independence Day. And I know that right now we are in what is called the heart of summer for about the next six weeks in July and through mid-August. And a lot of people are traveling. A lot of people are on the road. Uh, They say more people traveling now, Uh, going camping, getting away last summer. uh, It was difficult, and I think people are very anxious to get out but I pray that as you do get out and as you have time to uh, go on vacation, get away and go camping, we live here in Colorado in a ve- very beautiful part of the state. Then you know, take the Lord with you, uh, take Grace FM with you. Up here in northern Colorado, you can get it up in Red Feathers and Rocky Mountain National Park, and up in the Snowies in Wyoming. So I want to welcome all of you who are listening live uh, along the Front Range and southern. Wyoming on Grace FM today. Also want to welcome those who are listening on Hope FM and Truth FM on the East Coast. As you're listening on those radio networks, you are a week delayed, but you can call in at that number, 303-690-3000 is the number to call. We got all open lines right now, so I'd love to have you call in, grab one of those open lines, because what happens is we go through the show, and an hour goes by quickly as those lines can fill up. So give me a call, and as soon as the phone lines begin to uh, ring and and uh, callers are calling, we'll go to the phone lines. But the text line is 720-336-0897 is the text line. We want to welcome also all those who are listening online throughout the country, from the four corners of the country. Always have those listeners and love to hear from you and have you uh, give us a call anywhere in the country at that number I gave to you three oh three six nine oh three thousand and so give me a call and would love to talk to you and converse with you and talk about the things of the lord and so so excited um to be a part of your lives. such a blessing um I do want to um, just encourage you in um again as we come together uh, as we find ourselves in summer um that uh, this is a time to be refreshed and renewed in the lord and so um we want to be a part of that so i'd love to talk to you about those things you know one of the things that uh, we have been talking about uh on wednesday night is we're getting ready to finish the book of ezekiel In the book of Ezekiel, we are in that last section that deals with the millennial temple. And there is going to be a temple in the millennium period. And it's interesting, as you read the Bible, the Bible speaks of five temples. Um, So um, the first temple Solomon built, and that was destroyed by the Babylonians, and Ezekiel talks a lot about that and the judgments that were pronounced against the house of Judah. Then there was Zerubbabel's temple. After the captivity, uh, they would come back and rebuild the temples, very modest, and it ended up being called Herod's temple because Herod remodeled it during the time of Jesus. That temple was destroyed in 70 A.D. by the Romans. Then there is yet a future temple that will be called the Tribulation Temple that will be standing in the Tribulation period, and that's the temple that the Antichrist is going to go in and desecrate and proclaim himself as God, in the temple of God to be worshipped as God, Paul writes in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. But then there is a fourth temple that is spoken, and that's the Millennium Temple, a magnificent temple that is being spoken of there in the Millennium Period in Jerusalem. And as you read about details given to those chapters 40 through 48, but that's all part of the restoration of um, Israel is that the Lord will come. He will rule and reign from Jerusalem. He's going to be there in the temple that temple is described to us very much in details, very grand, very large. The temple mount is going to be over 765,000 square feet with courtyards. And there's no menorah in the holy place. There's no Alt uh, altar of incense, nor shoebread table. There's only a table that is before the Lord, a wooden table, and it's very interesting to go through all of that. And and there's going to be sacrifices, and those sacrifices are going to be a memorial. Um, and um, we know that the Levites will be ministering and the priests. So that's the fourth temple uh, that we've been looking at. But you know that was the highlight of Ezekiel's you know, ministry of his visions, because all those chapters clear up, you know, until ch- chapter 40, he's speaking judgment, he's speaking, you know, against his people, uh, their sin, um, and all of this, and then all of a sudden he sees what's going to happen in their restoration in chapter 40 to the end, and so him being a priest, he would be interested in that, it would be the highlight and we look at all that, and sometimes those are chapters that are overlooked. And I'll have to be honest; I was looking at it, thinking, "Oh, why all the details? Why all the you know cubits and hand breaths and and measurements and all of this?" Because this is real. This is our future, and it began to excitement to think that we're going to see that that temple on the holy mountain. So there's so much that is there, but there is also a fifth temple that is spoken of in the scriptures so if anybody you're listening if you can tell me what that fifth temple is i'd love for you to call and we can talk about it so just a little trivial that i'm giving to you uh we got all open lines like right now this is your show so give me a call 303-690-3000 is the call-in number the text line is 720-336-0897 and as we go to the text line while we're waiting for calls to come in one um question that came in, how often should church be serving communion and and sometimes that can be a debate, sometimes that can be a discussion. Um, the Bible says as Jesus he instituted communion in that upper room, He said, "Do this often in remembrance of me uh so how the question is how often is often in other words. Do this in remembrance of me. Do this often. Is it once a month? Is it once a week? Is it every service? Some churches, they'll provide communion at every service that they have. There are some churches, a few, that they will even offer communion every single day, that it is available. That's how strongly they feel about it. A lot of churches do communion once a month. Uh, Other churches do it quarterly. There's no uh, specific guidelines given to us how many times a month or in a week or in a year that we should do it, but that we should be doing it because it is a memorial. For us Christians, communion is the memorial of remembering how Jesus allowed his body to be broken and his blood shed for forgiveness of sin, even as Paul would write in First Corinthians chapter 11, For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you that the Lord Jesus, on the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take ye, this is my body which is broken for you, and do this in remembrance of me. And in the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is a new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And so we do that as a memorial, remembering what Jesus did in this new covenant that we belong to. That is that based on his sacrifice, allowing his body to be broken, his blood shed for forgiveness of sin. And it's important for us to remember that. And throughout the Bible, you see that the Lord said, I want you to, Joshua, put these stones here. So when your children ask, why are they here? You can tell them how I brought them into the promised land. Passover was to be observed how you'll remember how I brought you out of Egypt. And so communion, Jesus, our Passover lamb, was sacrificed for us as body broken and bloodshed, forgiveness of sin. And so for some people, the conviction is to do that at least weekly. Um, The conviction from some churches is to provide it every day. We here at Calvary Chapel, we try to do it monthly, um, and we have a time schedule that we do that during our services. But there's no specific amount of how many times we should do it just that we should be doing it and do it often in remembrance of me and that is the thing to remember hey i still got all open lines so i'd love to talk to you 303-690-3000 is the call-in number and then the text line is 720-336-0897 let's go to the phone lines joseph in maryland hi joseph
4: hello how are you? Um, I'm fine. Thank you, Pastor. Um, in Romans 11:29, it says the gifts and calling of God are without repentance in the King James. So my question is, uh, what does that mean? Does it mean that if, if God calls a man to be a pastor of a church, and let's say that man has a moral failing, and he loses his position as a pastor, does, it, does his calling stay with him? The rest of his life. Um, yeah, that's the first question, and the second one is: in the Old Testament, uh, Saul was called to be uh, king, but uh, the Bible says God relented; He was sorry that He called um, Saul, Saul to be king. king. Yeah. So, how yeah. do we harmonize those two verses?
3: Yeah, and that's that's you know a good question. As Paul. In the book of Romans, as he's talking about you know how to live for Christ, um, uh, and as he's talking about Israel, as he's talking about— and that's the context of Romans chapter 11, the future of Israel, the future of them that they're going to be restored. Because uh, in the verses before that, he's talking about, so all of Israel will be saved in that day. And then he quotes in verse 26, I believe he's quoting from Isaiah chapter fifty nine. And he says, Concerning the gospel, they are enemies for your sake, but concerning the election, they are beloved for the sake of the fathers, for the gifts and callings of God are irrevocable. In other words, in the context, what he's saying here is that you know, Israel's going to be, you know, saved. Because there are those who come along and say and he's speaking of that national spiritual restoration that will take place um, during the tribulation period, um, that follows as he says that um, in the previous that you know blindness has come in part to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in, and then all of Israel will be saved. so that 's the primary uh, uh, application of that as we look at that, the gifts and callings of God are irrevocable, uh, that He is going to save Israel isn't dependent upon them on their faithfulness. Uh, because they failed in their faithfulness. It is dependent upon the faithfulness of God. And so we can make a a second application that he does call us to ministry. He calls us to election. He calls us to be saved. He chose us before the foundation of the world. And so as he calls us, that calling is irrevocable. In other words, he has something for you to do that nobody else can do. And he calls all of us as believers into some ministry. Now, you're asking a very, very good question. How does it work if somebody has moral failing? Um, How does it work for Saul, who is the king of Israel in this verse? And um, it it comes by disqualification, that they were disqualified, and Paul talks about that in other parts of um, the scriptures. And so, Saul turned inwardly. He was disobedient, and um, you know he he was disqualified because of that. Uh, a pastor who has moral failing, um, you know that calling was upon his life, and he's disqualified from that. And and so the primary application is that God hasn't given up on national or ethnic Israel, and that. Um, and that the gifts and callings of God are irrevocable. What He calls us to, and um, and that question about you know God, re- He said, "I wish I'd never had called call Saul." You know that's a good question. And um, uh, and um, you know Saul was disqualified. I think that the Lord was showing His grieving over that and disappointed that that had taken place, even though God's sovereign and He knows everything.
4: Okay, so if a pastor loses his uh, position in a church, he still has a calling on his life because it says irrevocable.
3: Well, yeah, and the the thing is, you know, uh, uh, Galatians comes along and says that if anyone's overtaken in a trespass, restore such one in a spirit of gentleness. So, you know, it's there's a lot of discussion on it if a pastor. Fails morally, is there opportunity for him to be restored back to a pastoral position? And that's where the debate comes in, and that's where um, you know a lot of people say no, that he he can't be restored to that. He can be restored to some sort of ministry, but not back to pastoral position. And you know that that's something that I think takes a lot of wisdom, a lot of discernment. There is opportunity that is given for to restore such one in a spirit of gentleness um is what the scripture says, you know um considering yourself lest you also be tempted so it's a debate you know with Christians with leadership. I think it takes a lot of discernment and prayer with the leadership on things like that,
4: okay, well, thank you.
3: Yeah, Joseph. Very good questions, but very difficult. um, You know, answers to those questions that I think take a lot of searching the scriptures, a lot of discernment, and um, you know, and it's unfortunate when things like that happen. Um, But um, the thing is, there is. It's always God's. I do want to say this: it's always God's desire there to be not only forgiveness, but restoration, restoring if that's possible. And sometimes that takes a very, very long time for that to happen because trust has been broken, uh, because people have been hurt. And sometimes, um, you know, it's going to happen in different ways and very slowly. and But it is to be a desire that the Lord, He doesn't give up on us, but there is that disqualification that comes when there's that moral failing. So it's a hard question that you're asking and and difficult answers to it, so I appreciate your call. thank you you bet joseph 303-690-3000 is the number to call if you got any more questions or prayer requests, we got all open lines. love to hear from you that is a a good question that that Joseph brought up. you know if the pastor fails, you know is he can he be restored and you know it's the discussion I think that is hard to discuss over the radio, um, because situations are different. There's different thoughts. I have different thoughts on that. Uh, I can tell you what the scripture says. But the thing is that when God calls us to ministry, we have such an awesome, awesome responsibility, and there's a moral responsibility in that. And um, we never want to forget that. We never want to take that lightly. And there is those things, moral failure, that will disqualify us from that. And is there opportunity for restoration? Is there opportunity, certainly there's forgiveness, to be restored? Galatians chapter 6, verse 1, To restore such one in spirit of gentleness. But I think it takes time. It takes wisdom. It takes discernment. It takes a lot of counsel. It depends on if a marriage is involved. Is it going to work? All these different factors that... Uh, are involved in that so hey give me a call 303-690-3000 is the call-in number text line is 720-336-0897 i know a lot of people are traveling a lot of people are out and about uh, but if you have opportunity i'd love to hear from you uh, whether uh, you're here in colorado or wyoming or listening on hope and truth fm give me a call I appreciate you guys calling on the East Coast there like Joseph just did from Maryland. Um, Always remember you're a week delayed, but you can call. And as you call, um, you can listen to the conversation next week. And the text line, always uh, be safe when you're texting. Put those two numbers in your contacts, and uh, then you can just pull it up, and it'll be available for you. So we're going to go ahead. Let's go to... Uh, The text line, again, we got a few text messages that have come in. Uh, Please pray for true Christian leaders that they may be strengthened and provided abundant resources and lead and guide the church in these times. Pray for workers, many, many workers, to go out and spread the gospel, and that is a good prayer request. So, Lord, we do. We just lift up um, those to go out and, and be used in the harvest field. And Lord, I pray that uh, you be with pastors, that you be with leaders, that you keep them strong in the day in which we are in, that you would um, uh, help them stand firm on the Word of God, and that you would, Lord, uh, just keep raising up people in these last days to spread the truth of the Gospel, the Word of God, to give a message of truth to others, because we need it. We need it in our nation, we need it in our communities, to our families. And so, Lord, we just pray this in Jesus' name. You know, that prayer request that just came in, and we still got all open lines right now, so give me a call at that number I've given to you, 303 690 Jesus is speaking of the compassion of Jesus, and it says that when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them, because they were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. And then he said to the disciples, the harvest truly is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest, and that's part of this prayer request that just came in on the text line, the to send out laborers into the harvest. But Jesus, he looked at the multitude, and he was moved with compassion because they were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. And we can look out in our, you know, communities, our nation, uh, in our culture, and there are people that are weary and they are scattered. And they are like sheep having no shepherd, and we want to introduce them and tell them about the Good Shepherd Jesus Christ, who desires to gather them um You know this comes at the end of chapter nine of Matthew's Gospel, and in chapter nine he's working these miracles. He calls Matthew the tax collector to come follow him. Matthew was You know, considered the worst of the worst tax collectors. A matter of fact, uh, the the rabbis had taught that there's no way that a tax collector could be saved. And Matthew follows Jesus, and there Jesus has dinner with the tax collectors and sinners, and the religious leaders are all upset. And Jesus said, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. And go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice, for I didn't come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. And so, you know, we see that the Lord's work in miracles. And he looked at the people and he had compassion. And I pray that we would as well to pray that Lord send laborers into the harvest field because the harvest is plentiful. It is plentiful. And so not that it's going to be, but there is a harvest field that is out there. And so, you know, this is exciting times. These are difficult times, but exciting times to be ministering. And yes, it's hard, and yes, it's difficult, but there's so much darkness and deception that is out there, and we have the opportunity to bring truth and light to the people, and I pray that we would do that. And so, um, you know, um, just, uh, um, you know, pray for labors. Pray how you can be used in the body of Christ. Hey, we're getting close to going to a break, and I know, Stephen, that you're on the line. We're we're going to wait so we can take his question. So, um, but I do want to encourage you in, because it can be very discouraging. And and that question really, uh, or that prayer request was really, I think, an important prayer request. That's my prayer, is that people would be raised up to do the work of the ministry. So we're going to get ready to go to break here in just a little bit. We're going to go to Stephen after the break. So Stephen, if you don't mind holding And then we'll take your question, and we won't be rushed before break. But there is still a couple open lines, and that is 303-690-3000 is the call-in number. The text number is 720-336-0897. So I'd love to take your text questions as well, as time permits, but also want to call. So we're going to go to break. It's the only break of the show. And then we'll go to Stephen and grab that open line right now that you have. And we got plenty of time in the show. But we do pray that as we know that the harvest truly is plentiful, that laborers go out into his harvest. And listen, what I pray for us is that we would look with compassion at others. And that's what Jesus did. And that's what Matthew's theme is that we see over and over again with Jesus, that he looked at others with compassion. He looked at others with just sensitivity and love and care. And may we have compassion. It's not contempt. That was the religious leaders, but compassion. So, Lord, help us to be compassionate as we look out. We see people that are weary and scattered like he did. And that we would be ones, laborers that go out into the harvest. And, Lord, that we would pray that others would be raised up as well. In Jesus' name. Hey, we're at the break. Got a couple open lines. Give me a call. We'll go to Stephen after the break is over. And we'll be right back. You're listening to Calvary Live with Pastor Jeff Figgs.
0: Welcome back to Calvary Live. Give us a call at 303-690-3000 or text us at 720-336-0897. Let's join Calvary Live right now.
3: Welcome back to the second half of Calvary Live. My name is Jeff Biggs of Calvary Chapel Greeley in Northern Colorado here to take your questions and your prayer requests. And you just heard the numbers that you can be a part of the show, the call-in number. we got a couple open lines, so please grab one of those open lines. got plenty of time to take your question or your prayer request, 303-690-3000. And then the text line is 720-336-0897. And we're going to go to Bertha, where Stephen has been patiently waiting. Stephen? Hello. Hey, thanks for holding. I appreciate it.
2: Yes, sir. Um, my question is, Is and Jesus uh, seemed to sort of acknowledge about ghosts, because he, when he uh, he was either walking on the water, or he had shown himself to, this, to, to the disciples, and uh, they were scared, they were afraid that, you know, that uh, it was a ghost, and Jesus said that, you know, ghosts do not have flesh and blood, uh, right. you know, as I do, come, you know, feel me, and I have bone, and all... Now, um, I understand that he was acknowledging, you know, sort of like the spirit, I guess, spirit world. Um, but I'm sort of curious because there's so much going on right now with, you know, uh, ghost hunting and all this garbage that's going on. And I'm, I'm just curious as to what what you, your thoughts are on that.
3: Yeah, as, you know, we go to the text that you're reading about, you know, there's always been those who... Um, especially in the cultic practices and stuff, we do know there 's a spirit world around us. Um, we know that um, there 's angels, we know that there 's fallen angels, and the disciples here at this time um, they you know they thought they 'd seen a ghost, so all throughout the history of mankind, people have believed in ghosts or something. You remember that when they were in a storm. That Jesus came walking out on the water, and it was a terrible storm, and it was at the third watch. Um, it was the middle of the night, about three o'clock in the morning. Here comes Jesus walking on the water in the Sea of Galilee, and what did they cry out? They said, "It's a ghost." They were terrified. So here, Jesus, not so much the emphasis of of um, you know uh, saying that you know there's spirits that there's ghosts they thought that it was the spirit you know they're still trying to connect the dots on the resurrection and so jesus is saying listen a spirit doesn't have flesh and he's emphasizing to them that my resurrection wasn't just a spiritual resurrection it is a bodily resurrection because when jesus died on the cross he said to the thief that you'll be with me in paradise before the sun has set when jesus breathed his last His spirit descended before he ascended, went down into Hades, and he escorted, if you would, the thief on the cross as they went down to paradise. And then Jesus, three days later, physically rose from the grave. So they thought they were seeing a spirit, the spirit of Jesus, a ghost, whatever. He's saying, no, I bodily rose from the grave. And he goes on and he says in a few verses, have you any food here? You know, a spirit doesn't uh, eat food. Touch my wounds, you know, uh you see that I have flesh and bones. It was Thomas that in john's gospel, I believe, gives the account that Thomas said, "I'm not going to believe until I touch him, So he was having to emphasize that he rose bodily from the grave, and that's the very foundation of course, of our Christian faith that there was a bodily resurrection because there are some that come along throughout history that say that Jesus only rose spiritually. No, he rose bodily. Now your question, Stephen, about um, ghosts and, and demons and all that, there has always been an interest of that, and particularly for those who uh, are in the new age or those who don't you know, believe in the Lord, uh, they don't know the Bible, they, they, they believe in a spirit world out there. There's all kinds of contact to the spirit world Channeling you know spirits, trying to get a hold of um, you know old relatives that are those who will seemingly have these amazing things to say that you know, your relative told me this and they'll have shows on it. and it really interests people. My personal thought on that is that it's demons that are behind that. Um, that demons are there deceiving people. Satan's called a master deceiver. He's also uh, his ministers. As Paul writes in Second Corinthians, can be ministers of of light, counterfeiters, uh, present themselves as light. And so I believe behind all that, whether there's a manifestation of what seems to be the spirit world that people are at all in a seance or you know occultic practices or channeling or talking to their dead relatives, I believe it's demons that are behind all that and that they're working to deceive people. Um, and that's my thought, and that's what the Scripture gives indication of.
2: Right. But, you know, the one that I actually was thinking about, because you, you were talking earlier about Saul, King Saul, and I remember uh, when King Saul actually went to the Lady of Divination to rise right. Samuel from the grave, and Samuel said, why have you, you know, bothered me from my slumber, and, you know, this, that, and the other. So uh, that's uh, I was sort of curious about that. Mm. Um, the other one was, uh, and I had I was listening to the radio, and there was a preacher on six thirty, and he was talking about the demons were that he believed the demons were not fallen angels. That demons were actually from I think the Anak uh, people, the giant people where the uh, fallen angels had intercourse with uh, women, and he ended up having these great big giant people born and, uh, and all kinds of weird stuff. And I was like, I don't think that's quite biblical. <laughs>
3: well, um, I, I think what he's, he's making reference angels. to... Yeah, he's making re- reference to, um, to Genesis chapter 6. And in Genesis chapter 6, it's an interesting few verses. Let me read it to you. It's talking about, um, and let me get to it. came to pass that when men, this is right before Noah's called to build the ark. There's violence all over. um, There's sin all over the earth. um, And we know that it came to pass when men began to multiply in the face of the earth and daughters were born to them that the sons of God saw the daughters of men, and they were beautiful, and they took wives for themselves of all whom they chose. And he says there were giants on the earth in those days. And that word uh, giants is translated, um, as we look at that, nephiums. So the question is, who are the sons of God that saw the daughters of men? Who are those? And there's different debates on that. Some say that they were actually fallen, you know, uh, demonic spirits that were somehow having physical relations with the daughters of women, trying to pollute the gene pool so Messiah wouldn't come. Others say, no, it was, you know, um, it is another line um, that uh, came through that, you know, trying to pollute the line of Seth that was the godly line, um, and uh, another line of... of uh, you know that of Cain that was cursed that came through that it wasn't fallen angels, so that's where the debate is that's probably what you're hearing. I didn't hear the teaching, but the sons of God oftentimes is a reference to fallen angels um, in the scriptures and here's something you can study it and I think it's worth for you to just look at it, Stephen and study it a little bit because there's there's different thoughts on that and Right before the book of Revelation, there's a little epistle called Jude. And Jude talks about the angels who did not keep their proper domain, but left their own abode, has reserved in everlasting chains under darkness for the judgment of the great day. As Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities around them have similar matter, having given themselves over to sexual immorality and gone after strange flesh. So Jude seems to be talking about those who didn't keep their proper domain could it have been fallen you know angels that because angels we know can present themselves as as humans you know at the resurrection, there was two angels that appeared as men, we know that Hebrews tells us as fall as far as angels that are not fallen, but don't forget they entertain uh, angels for some have entertained angels unknowingly, was there this class of sons of gods or this demonic world that, you know, somehow they had relations with the the daughters of men and these Nephians, these giants were born. That's where that thought is coming in. Lots of different discussion on that. Difficult verse to look at. Um and that's what he's probably talking about. Now you also mentioned um Saul and as Saul went to the witch at endor and, you know, they called up um Um, Samuel, the prophet. And it seems like the debate is, was it actually Samuel that came up and talked to him, or wasn't it? And there are some that say no, because of Luke chapter 16, that when Lazarus wanted to go and warn his brothers, that Abraham said, no, you can't, when they were down in Hades. Um, Others say that Yes, it was that God allowed Samuel to come back because the witch was surprised. She, she was surprised when Samuel appeared, and so there's that debate as well. So interesting, interesting things that are there for us to look at and we can talk about, and um, and different comments on that. So
2: Sure, sure. Uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I got you. Yep. All right, well, I appreciate your time, Pastor. Thank you very much.
3: You bet, Stephen. God bless you. Appreciate you calling. Yes, sir. Bye-bye. You bet. 303-690-3000 is the number to call. The text line seven two zero three three six zero eight nine seven. 720-336-0897. Got a couple open lines just real quickly, and then we're uh, going to go to the phone lines again. You know, he, um, the, on our last call um, that, uh, um, that Stephen was talking about, the interest that is in spirit world and, and demons and things like that, i wouldn't be surprised if we see more of an interest in that in these last days people interested in things like that i would not be surprised if we see more of an interest what we're hearing more about was um is ufos all of a sudden it's in the papers it's in you know the news that the reports of ufo the government has known about it don't be surprised if you hear these things but listen stay to the scriptures and um, and know that Satan is the master deceiver who wants to deceive. So I just wanted to to let you know about that. Hey, let's go to Joseph in Wheat Ridge.
5: Hey, Joseph. Thank you for taking my call. Thank you for taking my call, Pastor Fix.
3: You bet.
5: So, go yes, ahead. Uh, I, I have a prayer request, but going off of what the last caller said. So, regarding angels, um, so uh, it's Acts chapter. Um, Acts chapter 12, verse 15, when Peter was in the earthquake and the angel, um, you know, helped him get out of prison, and he went to the right. door and knocked on the door. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the woman saw him and said, Peter's at the door. They said she was crazy. So my question is, do they said that was it was his angel. It's not Peter. It's his angel. So do our angels, if you will, look like us, you know?
3: Yeah, I you know, it's interesting. People ask that from that text because it's an interesting story. They're up there praying in that room, the Christians, for Peter to be released because Herod's going to kill him. He had killed James. He's Peter's next. He's the big guy. He's the leader of the church. If we can get rid of him. So the angel comes, frees him. He comes knocking on the door where they're praying, and that young girl comes, and um, Rhoda, and... <laughs> This is what kind of cracks me up a little bit, Joseph, is that he's knocking on the door. It's me, Peter. She leaves him out there and runs upstairs, and she says that Peter's at the door, and they said, "Now you're beside yourself. It's, It's his angel. Number one, they were praying that he'd be released, and they're saying, you're crazy, Rhoda. It's not him. It's just his angel. I find that interesting. But I tell you what if I was in that prayer meeting, you know I would have been running down those steps and 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 looking to see is it an angel you know so are there guardian angels the, the indication is perhaps you know is his angel maybe Jesus he makes a reference in Matthew's gospel about uh children um when he's talking about being great in the kingdom of God and let's see chapter eighteen I just pulled it up. He says, Take heed that you do not despise one of these little ones. For I say to you in heaven that their angels always see the face of my Father who is in heaven. So we know that angels are ministering spirits. They are real. They can appear to be men because Hebrew says, Don't forget to entertain strangers. Some have done some unknowingly. Um, that there were two angels that appeared there at the tomb. As Mary looked into the tomb, they they appeared as men. We know that the angels that came to Sodom and Gomorrah, um, that, you know, they appeared as men. So it seems to give indication that they can do that and appear as men.
5: Well, yeah, so I guess, I guess, you know, I guess I shouldn't go too much, you know, look into it. But, I mean, she didn't see Peter. She just heard his voice, correct? She didn't, like, open the door. She just heard his voice.
3: Yeah, she just heard the voice of Peter.
5: I would want, I would think like she knows what Peter looks like if she saw him, so I, I was thinking that maybe angels can
3: look like us, like look like you, look like me, oh, look like yeah, me. and yeah, and I don't think that what the text has shown us, but I do think this joseph, I think that the early church was very aware of angels, um because you know here they are, they keep praying uh that they, they didn't care that there um was an angel out there, if it was Peter's angel, they just kept praying, oh, it's just like no big deal. Paul would write to the corinthian church when he's writing about order in the church he says remember the angels you know and it's interesting that he says that and he says the day is going to come when we're going to judge the angels so i think the early church maybe was a little bit more aware of angels or you know their presence uh, again when mary looked into the tomb and saw the two angels she didn't you know um leave the tomb and say man i saw angels and i think i'll write a book i saw the angels at the tomb you know it wasn't a big deal she wanted her lord so their focus was on the lord which teaches us as i'm sure joseph you know is our focus needs to be on the lord not on angels but they are present and they're ministering spirits
5: okay well so the reason why i called is you know my church that i'm a member of is slowly but surely trying to open up full time so by god's grace This Sunday, we will be allowed to, for the first time, to be able to go inside the building, but only for Sunday school. After Sunday school, we got to go home. So I pray that everything goes well. The Holy Spirit is there teaching us. So, yeah, I just pray that um, it goes well this Sunday for my
3: church. Okay. Father, I do pray for Joseph as they take a step, as they're going to have Sunday school, and, Lord, that as they do, that people would come. I pray that they would be blessed as they gather together, And Lord, I pray that they would move towards fully opening to be able to assemble, to worship, to hear your word. And I just pray for the leadership there that you give them guidance. And Lord, that uh, this week would go well. And as they gather together, that there be joy. And uh, Lord, to see each other once again. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Hey, thanks, Joseph. God bless you. You bet. You too. Yep, we've been open here at Calvary Greeley for months, and and it's so good to have people coming back and seeing churches open up more. And, and we need to be in fellowship today. And, and again, I know that sometimes people can't because they're shut-ins or maybe because they can't be around crowds or they need to be very, very careful, but as much as we can to be in fellowship. So we're fully open Sunday mornings, that we have three morning services, 8, 9, 30, and 11 o'clock. All the chairs are in, no social distancing, no required mass. come. And I believe that we're going to have to live with this COVID. Um, and I'm thankful that, um, that people are feeling more uh, uh, comfortable and coming. Uh, we always want to be careful. We want to always give consideration to others but we need to, to be in fellowship with one another, especially in the days in which we were living in. It is, you know, the isolation was hard, and it had an effect, a negative effect, on so many people, on our children. So we got a full week of of youth meeting of, um, you know, we're in the middle of summer, but, you know, next month we start up ladies' studies, we start up men's study again, we have youth that's meeting on Saturday. A marriage fellowship on Saturday night. Um, Young adults will be back. We just finished our session of young adults, uh, college-age students. They'll be back here um, at the end of August, Uh, but we want to give opportunity for people to be in fellowship, and we are seeing more people come, and we need to. We need each other. We need to be together so we can encourage each other, pray for each other, that we can... um, you know worship the Lord together the Bible says don't forsake the assembly of ourselves together is the matter son some, some especially as you see the day approaching and we are seeing the day approaching so I want to encourage you and again I, I, I don't want to be insensitive to those who cannot be in church but as much as you can be in a group a, a Bible study be in a church be with believers we need that we need to be encouraged don't isolate yourself because I do think, and I say this very humbly, but very honestly, that some because when church is shut down and it was just online, that some people develops, you know, just a habit of will watch online. And I don't need to go to church, you know. I, I can be a Christian and not be in church. And you're right, you're still a Christian, the Lord loves you, but you are missing out. You are missing out on being with the believers. And there's even some that have said that I've heard that I'll need to be in church. And, you know, that's being disobedient to the Word of God. The Word of God says, don't forsake the assembly of ourselves together. And, and I'm very grateful for the technology that we can reach nursing homes, for those who are shut-ins, for those who perhaps can't be around people, PTSD. I understand that. And We pray for you, and we're so thankful that we can reach you. But I do... Encourage you to be in church, um, to be in church, and to be with believers, especially as you see the day approaching. Hey, let's go to Marie and Greeley on line one. Hi, Marie.
1: Hi. How are you?
3: Good. How are you doing? I'm doing
1: fine. Um Good. I have a
3: quick question. Sure. Um. Well,
1: you know, I left my church a few years ago. And it's been a journey, you know, I've been unlearning a lot of bad things that I feel that were just, you know, like a lot of legalism, all that good stuff. Uh-huh. And, you know, lately I've approached this question, like something has been popping in my head. You know, I do not doubt God's existence. I don't doubt Jesus, Jesus Christ. But what I do have a problem with, like sometimes, is not the Bible, but... You know how so much, the Bible has been around so long yes. that I want to know how do you feel? Because I know we trust it and everything. Like I, It's helped me in my walk but there's just some passages that really get me you know, I feel sometimes how it's a lot towards like women, you know, we can't preach type of thing you know what Paul talks about. Yeah. Um, things like that I feel like a lot of it was written for the convenience of people in power. It tell me if I'm wrong. Like how can uh, we I think, trust
3: you? Yeah. And I think I know where you're getting at, Marie, and that's a very good question, is the question that it's okay to ask these questions. It really is. And I think that you should. And the 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 answer is is that as we have the word of God given to us, you know, some say, well, Paul, Paul didn't like women. You know, he wasn't married. He looked down on women. And so he was given his opinion. The very first thing that you need to remember is that all scripture, second Timothy chapter three, verse 16 is God breathed. It's inspired by God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. So the Bible, all of it is God-breathed, is put to the page. But, but as we read it, sometimes we read it and, and women say, well, I can't preach. Well, that's not exactly what the Bible says. The Bible does say that, that the men are to have the role of pastor-teacher, that they are to be the leaders, but we have women that teach in our church, women that teach other women, women that teach the children, women that do counseling other women. There are those that have the gift of teaching, and they're very, very good. And listen, Marie, that ministry is so important. We had women that were teaching the kids at a VBS, and over 20 kids gave decisions for Jesus Christ. I think that's pretty important and pretty imperative. And, And so it's not just looking down on women. There's different roles that God has for leadership and for the women, and there's ministry for the women. And I see, Paul, that he shows a great appreciation for women. And I wish we had more time to talk about it, Marie. But I I see where the Lord shows great appreciation to the women that served. Who was the very first one that gave the message of the resurrection? It was a woman. It was Mary that was at the tomb. And she was the very first one to see the resurrected Lord before the the apostles saw the Lord. So as you look at it, I think a lot of times in the way— that perhaps it might be taught. And you talked about, you know, you've gotten out of that legalism. You know, one of the things is is that legalism can really, you know, really be a downer in and, and legalism of, you know, putting people down, you gotta dress this way, you gotta act this way, all this stuff. But looking through the lens of scripture to know this, that the Lord He created us in his image. That he has roles for men and women that are very, very important. And that his love for us is is incredible. And it's a matter of serving him where he has you and he uses women. If it wasn't for the women in this fellowship, we couldn't do what we do. And I so deeply appreciate what they do, respect what they do, and know that God is using them in a very real way. Just because I'm the pastor doesn't mean I'm better than anybody else. It just means I'm the servant of all. So, Marie, I think that God's word, first of all, we trust it because it comes from heaven. It's not based on culture comes along and and says, well, you know, the Bible is against women and all of these other things. No, the Bible is true, and the Lord loves you, and he desires for you to discover his love and his appreciation for you. And you are valuable to him and I think that as you read the scriptures and allow the Lord to just minister to you and I don't know if I'm hitting what you're getting at but I just sense that that there is questions about you know Christianity is just for men and the rule over women or kind of that mindset legalistic kind of ideas man we have freedom in Christ we get to serve him because of his love for us and because he loves us; we can love Him, and that you have a very important part in God's kingdom and in God's church. And He desires to use you in a very wonderful way. You're valuable to Him.
1: Yeah. Yeah. These questions, you know, and it's just—it's a, a long topic. Hopefully, I can call back tomorrow or sometime we can like. You know what, Marie, and you—you—you—you can, you,
3: you, you can get a hold of me anytime. You know, and the thing is, it is, it's okay to ask these questions, Marie. It's okay. And I believe that as you sincerely look for the answer through the Lord, that He will honor that and He's going to answer you, and you're going to discover His grace and His compassion and His love for you. And you know, it isn't about being religious. You know that? Yeah, Legalism yeah, I've been hurting is about. <laughs> is about religion. It's about relationship. And it's about his love for us, that he died for you, and he has a wonderful plan for you, and he wants to use you. And as you begin to discover his compassion and his goodness, you know what? You're going to, as you know him, you know not just know about him, but to know him and draw close to him. He's going to touch your heart, and he's going to draw you to himself. And you're going to discover a wonderful Lord in a very real way. And these, he's going to answer these questions. So you call back or you get a hold of me anytime. And I'll be happy just to pray with you and encourage you any way that I can. Thank you, Marie. Appreciate it. Hey, God bless you, everybody, on today's show. Have a wonderful, wonderful evening, wonderful week coming up. So grateful to be on the show with you. Good night. Have a good evening.